So how's everybody doing this morning? Excellent. Thank you. Um, we're in Philippians chapter 2 this morning, uh, starting in verse 5. <clears throat> I'm going to read that and then do a little setup work and then dig into what we've got. Uh, so Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, and being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for persevering it for us thousands of years so that we might understand and know who you are, God. God, I pray now that you would guide my words and guide all of our thoughts, Father, as we consider, uh, consider who you are and what you've done, and we consider your son Jesus, Father. And I, God, I, I pray that, God, you've, you've placed it on my heart this morning that this what you have to say to us has an opportunity for us to, to smile and nod and agree with and, uh, and leave there on the surface, Father. But God, I pray now that you would lodge your message of your son giving his life away. You would lodge that deep into our beings, our souls, Father, and that it would stick there, Father, in such a way that we are changed and changed by the power of your Son and his gospel. We thank you for Jesus. And it's his name that I pray. Amen. Uh, so everything that I'm going to say, I'm going to say a lot of stuff this morning, but everything is about this one simple message. The message of Christmas is about learning to give your life away. Um, and I... Like, this whole idea of reversing Advent, if you're new with us this morning, that we're walking through this series uh, on Christmas, and it's called Reversing Advent, and the idea is that we're going reverse. We started with the cross, and we're going to end with the birth to kind of paint this picture, this understanding of, of Jesus came to this earth to completely change the way that we think. And so reversing Advent for us today is looking at the life of Christ and how he came just to give his life away and serve people and everything that, that he was about was about that idea to give his life away and, and to, to get rid of, of his own desires but instead serve other people and their desires. And so that's the theme of, of Philippians 2, 5 through 8 that I just read and it's the theme of Christmas. Um, but I want to tell a story to kind of give a little bit of a backdrop to that. Um, I had... Uh, Dave preached last week, and so I, I took the, that last week and this week to kind of prepare this message. Um, and so I've been wrestling with it for nine or ten days leading up to last Friday. And um, Friday was kind of a crazy day. Um, I had uh, done a lot of stuff on Friday, but, but Hannah Grace is at a new school. Hannah Grace is my 12-year-old daughter. She was at a, she's at a new school um, and didn't start at the school year, so only started like two, three weeks ago at this new school. And we can really focus for her to, to some, develop some relationships there, and it's really important for us to connect there. And this is kind of awkward because Hannah Grace is sitting right over there. Uh, 
Don't be too awkward, sweetheart. Um, so we, we, really, we really have this, this I think it, it helps be less awkward if you like acknowledge the fact that it's awkward maybe. No, it doesn't? Uh, we'll see, yeah. Um, so anyway, like she's a new school and it's a very small school. There's only a few students in, in her grade level and then in, in the middle school itself, there's not very many kids there. And so we really want some relationships to form and develop. And so they're having a party a little Christmas party there from like 7 to 9.30 on Friday night. But it hits right in the middle of uh, this other Christmas party that Jen and I have been invited to. It's, it's a yearly thing, and it's, it's really important uh, it's, to us. It's really cool to connect with, with some friends that we don't see very often or don't see often enough, whatever. And so it's really important for us to go to this Christmas party. Um, but this party starts at 7. So what do we do? Um, and understand that I've been, like, I, what I'm about to say about serving and giving your life away, it's been marinating in, in my brain and my heart for, uh, for like nine or ten days. And I'm really conflicted because I really want to go to this party, but I really want, and so what I did was like, and here, here's the this is the thing. Part of my prayer was that we can, we can understand this, and then we can even change our behavior to understand this, but our subconscious is a very powerful thing, and we can kind of like convince ourselves of things even when we think we're not convincing ourselves of things. Let me, let me flesh this out a little bit more. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Uh, so I drive Hannah Grace to the school every morning on my way to work and, and drop her off, and like Deep within Hannah Grace is this desire to please people, right? And so my, I know this, and so my subconscious can not act upon that, but really act upon it. You know what I mean? Like prey upon her desire to please people. So that her desire to please people is only going to please me, so that I can present it to her in such a way that she's not going to want to go to the party. Understand? Um, so that's what I, I did. Like I didn't, like, set, there's, there's no like, evil intent in my heart to like I've decided that I'm going to prey upon her people pleasing but that's what exactly what happened and she said don't worry about it I don't need to go to this party no big deal don't don't worry about it dad and so like inside of me is this excitement yes I get to go, uninterrupted go to this party and so I like avoid the the conversation for the rest of the week now it's been decided, at least in my head, that she's not going to go to this party. But like little things happening, like Jen will say something or I'll hear about the party or somebody will talk about the party or Hannah Grace will, will say something. And, and it like, the conflict inside of my spirit is profound because I know what I'm going to have to stand up in front of you guys in a few days and say. And you know, that, that sounds silly and fun and, and makes a few of you smile, but they're, like it's a, it's a really deep, hurtful conflict inside of my heart. And then on top of that is this desire that I've prayed multiple times passionately to God this week that it would, this message wouldn't be something that would just surf, superficially change us, but instead lodge itself deep within our souls so that it might change even our subconscious. And I know that, and I'm conflicted in the midst of that. So Friday day happens. Still, we're, 
I am working from the premise that Hannah Grace is not going to go to this party. And then, I don't know, like, spirit of God, power of God, events, circumstances, whatever, like, I've decided some point on Friday that she's going to go to the party, and I'm going to leave my party to go pick her up, take her home, or take her to the babysitter, and then go back to the party, to, to my party. It's too many parties. Um, but there's still this evil that resides within me that wants to prey upon the people-pleasingness of my daughter. And, and the, even worse than that is, like, I know that and I understand that, and I know that she's going to say it's okay, but she's going to say it's okay in such a way as, as to pout and make me understand that it's not really okay, that it's okay, that it's not okay, that it's okay, right? And, and my mind is playing with all that, like, all those things and all those issues. And so then I'm like, if she's going to pout, I can't let her pout to get her way, so then I can get my way. So, like, it, it's, I, okay, it's really confusing, but ultimately, what, what it amounts to is God changing my heart. And, and what, what wound up happening was, like, there was a big screaming, yelling fit between the three of us, uh, Jen as well, right before we're going to this party, and we wind up late to the party, and Hannah Grace is wind up late to her party, and I wind up leaving my party to pick up Hannah Grace and taking her back right as the snow was beginning to happen. It's like 9.30. That's right when the snow began to happen. And, but it was, it was just, it was a really sweet time for her and I to be in the car uh, together, and the acknowledgement is that the whole story is told because we have within us the Spirit of God that's going to guide us to the path that's correct. But we also have within us, even in a, a non-consciously acknowledged way, evil, brokenness, a lack of peace, that's going to manipulate circumstances to get what we want. And here's the biggest part of all. You and I are terrible at getting pleasure for ourselves. And that's the, the heart of sin and the heart of, of what's happened in my subconscious confusing back and forth. He said, I want, she wants, we want, pouting, all that stuff. All that confusing stuff that rattled in my brain, all of that gets down to this idea that I don't know how to provide pleasure for myself. But I think that I do, and I try to, and I fail miserably. And, and the worst part about that is even in the middle of knowing where I was going with this sermon this morning, and even in the middle of God attacking my soul with that for two weeks, it's the evil lurked and, and reared its ugliness towards my daughter that I love desperately, that I would die for. But evil is, is present. And, and what this does to me is tell me, is convince me of this fact that I am in deep need of the gospel. 
I know what I need to do. I know what God has called me to do. But my flesh says, don't do it. And I know the call of my life to lead my wife, to lead my children, to lead this church. And I know the steps that are to be taken to do that and to do that well. But I do not take them or I do not take them willingly. Because I want to please myself in the way that I want to please myself. And we're all there. We're all there all the time. We're all there all the time. We have no idea we're even there. So, reversing Advent, serving people, the call of God for us to serve people, is all a big gospel presentation that you are a complete and utter failure and there's evil that lurks within you. And every day, of every moment of every day, we are in need of throwing ourselves in the mercy of God and begging for his grace to be able to respond in the way that he has called us to respond. To not manipulate circumstances, to not prey upon the personality traits of those around you that you've called to lead, as I did to my daughter. But instead, willingly say to God, yes, I will serve those you've called me to serve, and I will serve them with a willing and open and loving heart for their own betterment. So that picture, that story, paints the backdrop for all that we're going to talk about this morning. Let's go back to Philippians. I want to pray. God, would you lodge the truth of your word into our hearts, God? Would we be... God, give us what is needed in this moment to to lay hold of our own subconscious evil that wars against our desire to do good. May we label it as evil, and may you dispose of it, Father, by the power of your truth and by the power of your Son, Jesus, that we might be changed, God. God, I pray that those here hearing this message would see a broken leader in front of them who has wrestled with the gospel. And courage would be brought to each of us to continue to wrestle with the gospel and trust you as our joy provider, Father. In Christ's name. Philippians 2, 5. I'm going to walk through these verses uh, one by one here and uh, look at one particular point in each one of these verses. First, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. First of all, the mind that we're about to talk about and, and think deeply about is, is ours in Christ. Because of who Christ is and because of what he has done to us, we have the opportunity and ability to have this mind. When we say mind, it's, it's this word attitude that means that, let me just hit that, hit that, Ben. The state of mind that predicts our response to external circumstance. When, when Philippians 2.5 says we are to have this mind, the mind of Christ, that we automatically have as followers of Christ, he has given it to us. You have this, uh, this, it's within you to have the attitude of Christ. An attitude just means the state of mind that 
predicts your response to external circumstances. The external circumstances for me in my story was I wanted to go to this party, but I knew that I, I needed to take Hannah Grace to her party to serve her. Those were external circumstances. The mind of Christ is the attitude, the way of thinking that predicts how I will respond to those external circumstances. Unevil affected, my mind responds the way Christ would respond, and that is to serve my daughter and not serve myself. And there would have been no hint of me desiring to want to prey upon her people-pleasingness. This is the mind of Christ. This is what it means to have the mind, the attitude of Christ, that external circumstances don't shape how we act. Christ shapes how we act. This is, this is hugely important, and hugely important for two reasons. One, if this is like the first time you've kind of laid hold of this idea, it's hugely important. But more than that, for some of you, most of you who have laid upon this idea hundreds of times, it's vastly important that we don't dismiss this concept, this idea, this understanding that this is what it means to live a life in pursuit of Christ, to have this mind of Christ, that external circumstances don't change how we respond to what God is calling us to respond. We follow that. This is real easy for us to say, yeah, I get that. Nod our heads and walk out the door and nothing. It lodges somewhere on the surface of us instead of lodging deep in the soul of us. So I don't want to pass this by and, and miss the importance of this. And again, the gospel is present here. We don't have this ability to, to do this because evil lurks in us. And we have to throw ourselves on the grace and mercy of God continually and consistently. Verse 6, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Um, I love the English, uh, the ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible, which is what I'm reading from. But I also love occasionally to read the New Living Translation. The, the ESV and most, uh, most scholarly translations are word-for-word -word translations. That means they take a Greek word, they give a translation for what it means, it's word-for-word. New Living Translations and others like it are thought-for-thought thought translations. It means they take a thought that a verse is trying to put across, and they modernize it in different language, and so they, they translate the thought rather than the word. All right? So the New Living Translation is, is great for, it's a thought-for-thought thought translation, but it's also really good for kind of backing up and seeing the big picture of what's going on here. This verse in the New Living Translation says, um, says he did not cling to his rights as God. So the thought here, that verse 6, have this mind that's yours in Christ Jesus, that mind is Jesus didn't cling to his rights as God. And this, this is something I've been wrestling with all week, all two weeks, is like trying to lay a hold of way to articulate our desire as 2013 Americans to cling to our rights. Like, we're really, really good at that. 
And we're also really, really good at clinging to rights of other people. Somebody else gets wronged, and this is what I've seen practically in, in my existence. Wrong somebody that I love, like take away their rights, and that's going to make me bow up and want to be really angry with you. You see it all the time. You see it in the Ferguson Floors and School District, people picketing and holding rallies for somebody whose rights they perceive have been wronged. And then people who perceive those rights to be wronged are rising up, and we wind up fighting over people's rights. It's the whole... Every, every political discussion that's happened in, in, in my existence is rooted here. These are my rights. Well, you've infringed upon my rights. Well, I'm going to cling to my rights. You have no right to take away my rights. And, and all those things. This, this white-knuckled grip on our rights. But the message of Christmas, the message of the life of Christ is to let it go. He did not cling to his rights as God. I wonder... If when we gaze upon Jesus in the manger or Jesus on the cross or Jesus walking on water, any, any image of Christ that we've seen, I wonder if we are fully aware of the idea that this is God, fully capable, fully within his rights and authorities to just say, I'm done. I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to receive worship that I'm due by angels and by those who have, who have gone before. I'm, I'm going back there to sit at the right hand of the throne, to, to be ministered to, to be worshipped. All that we crave to be worshipped, to be told that we're important, to be ministered to, to have our needs met, all of that, Jesus received on an eternal level for an eternal past. But he did not cling to those rights, but instead came to this earth. That's his, this is reverse for us. It doesn't make any sense for our 2013 Western minds that someone would be willing to give their rights away. But this is the call of Christmas. This is the call of our lives. I had every right and every authority to go to that party and tell my daughter she wasn't going and she was going to go to her grandmother's house to be babysat for that night. I had every right and every authority to do that. But God is calling us to something different. It's not about you. And, and more than that, it is about you. Because your real joy... Joy that you feel deep in your bones cannot be gathered by you. It's gathered by giving your life away. Do you know why Hebrews tells us why Christ endured the cross? Do you know what it is? For his own joy. Christ endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, scorning its shame. This is, here's the deal. Do you, do you trust God? Do you believe who he is and, and who he has said he is in his word. The answer to that for us is we, we've thought enough of God to wake up on a cold morning and come to church. The answer for us, for each of us, is probably, yes, I believe God. But do we really believe God in such a way that changes how we act? Because 
This pressing into Christ in such a way as to act like he acts to give your life away and not cling to your rights and have his mind, the thing that paints how we respond to external circumstances, do we really have that idea that it's going to change the way that we act? The answer to that is no. You don't trust God like that. As I said to you in the middle of of my party story, I did not trust God like that. I wanted to ride for my joy. I wanted to be at that party from start to finish. The last one to leave and never moving away. But Jesus is calling us to more than that. To stop trying to get your own joy. Let him provide it for you. And here's the path. Have this mind, the mind of Christ. Don't cling to your rights. Don't cling to your authorities. Instead, give them away and serve people. This is the message of Christmas. Please. Please a lot. Like, seriously. Please allow this to lodge in us. We can dismiss all, all this stuff. It's like, yes, I agree. Amen. I want to write that down. But, but what does it do? When we're in the, the burner of life, does it, is it really going to change whether we decide to go to our metaphorical party or not? I'm begging of God to allow this to lodge in our soul. Verse 7. Jesus made himself nothing taking on the form of a servant born in the likeness of men. Servant here is the Greek word doulos. Doulos. You guys, we even have, uh, for, for you ladies who are pregnant or have been pregnant recently, there are, uh, I don't know if it's still there. It was when, when Jen was, we were having our, our kids you had an opportunity to have a, a, a doula, right? Is that still around, ladies? Uh, okay, thank you. Um, and, and basically, what a doula is, is, is serving the needs of, the, of a woman as she's giving birth. And it's from the Greek word here that means servant. And, and this is really cool. I found this definition this week. Servant, doulos, means devoted. And that's a big word, devoted. It means all of our attention and, and desire and motivations Everything about us is given to the disregard of one's own interests for the interest of another. And this is Christ. This is reversing Advent. This is doulos, what God is calling us to. Be like Jesus in your life. Be devoted not just to other people's interests, but devoted to denying your own interests. And this is, this is really, really big, and, and it's contrary to what our flesh wants to tell us to do. Watch, like, I know we're in the world of DVR, and, and you want to fast-forward through commercials, but next time you sit down to watch a program on DVR, watch the commercials. And marketing... Is trying to get you to be to counter this. To be devoted to yourself. 
and to put people around you that are devoted to you. Like this is, like watch a love story. Watch an American love story. And it's all about that. Somehow figuring out a way that we can manipulate our circumstances so that our spouse is devoted to us. It's all backwards. Because the evil that's within us wants us to say, you can provide for yourself. And you go back to the Garden of Eden, the very first sin, when Eve took of that fruit. The lie that she believed was that God was holding out on her and God did not know how to pleasure her, to bring pleasure to her. That's everything around us. But here, we're learning how to understand what Jesus is calling us to, to be devoted to the needs of others, to serving them. And it, like, it gets tricky to understand this because society really doesn't work if, if we fully give ourselves this. If everybody is only worried about serving other people, Nobody is really ever going to get served because we're never going to allow people to serve us, right? But if we look at the life of Christ, he was always about serving. But there were opportunities that other people had that recognized him for who he was. And they served him. Do you remember the, the Mary's scene, Mary and Martha, where they're, one is doing the dishes and the other is at Jesus' feet worshiping him. There are times around our lives where we allow this to happen to us. And, and here's like something happened uh, several weeks ago. Um, I was given a gift uh, actually by a few of you and um, graduating from, from seminary. Ooh. And it was really hard because the, the gift was, was over the top. Like, and I sat, like, I sat in my car and, uh, like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with, with that. With this over the top gift that, that you guys gave to me. And, like, my, my, my response immediately is, I, I've got to, I, I, I gotta give this, I can't, I, I, like, this isn't, I'm even having a hard time articulating even now. But, like, I, I can't accept, I can't receive, I, I, I can't. And then, like, I began to, to preach subconsciously to myself, and, and my wife began to, to preach quite verbally uh, to me. Like there is, there is a time in the, in the middle, and this is where it's, it's like a tension and, and a slippery tension. There is a time where we allow those that are around us and love us and, and, and walk with us to serve us. And the tension is that, that like, because our, our evil flesh wants to just rise up and say, yes, give me. But like, the, the beautiful part of the gospel is nuanced and subtle where we, we serve one another as Christ came to serve us. 
And if we, we look at the life of Christ, most of his life was about serving people. But there were moments of his life where he was being served by those whom he came to serve. But those are very rare. But also very beautiful. Imagine the, the, the woman, the, the emotion in the heart of the woman who broke the alabaster jar full of perfume and poured it on his feet and then dried his feet with her, her hair. There was a moment of beauty for that woman. I'm certain of it. So this whole idea, it's, it's, it's very ambiguous and vague and, and hard to lay a hold of. But the beautiful part is God has provided his gospel to our evil to change us. So that we can respond in obedient ways to who and what he's calling us to. So like I really, I really need you to hear this. And to see this life of Jesus. And allow this idea, this concept to lodge into us. This mind of Christ. This not clinging to our rights. This desire to serve people, to, to give of ourselves, to stop trying to gain our own pleasure by serving us, but instead serving other people and allowing God to provide our pleasure. And here's, here's the end of it and the ultimate end of it. Verse 8, Jesus, being found in human form, he humbled himself and this, like, I want to think about this word humbled for a second. And it's like, the, this word is the root of the word humiliation, which is like people laughing at you, hurling insults at you, you feeling small. But this is, he humbled himself. He willingly walked into humiliation. Like, watch baby Jesus this year gaze upon a nativity scene and think about Jesus willingly walking into humiliation and being found in human form. He willingly walked into humiliation by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Like I'm kicking and screaming all week long to become obedient to missing 45 minutes of a party. What a, what a horrid failure in light of Christ. Seriously, I mean, think, 45 minutes! Christ left heaven Willingly walk into humiliation for a lifetime of humiliation that was going to end with a brutal and grotesque death on the cross. Why? For you and I secondarily, but for himself primarily. Jesus endured the cross, scorned to shame because of the joy that was set before him. Do you trust God that serving him and serving other people is the only path to joy? Yes. 
Do you believe that? I say, no, you don't. I don't believe it. Because I was unwilling to give up 40, I was unwilling to, to willingly give up 45 minutes of my time so that my daughter could have a great and wonderful time and engage new relationships that are going to be really important to her. Unwilling to give that up. And I'm a stinking pastor who's about to preach what I'm preaching right now. Failure. Oh God, we need grace and we need mercy so bad. More than we'll ever know. Let's pray and worship this wonderful God. Oh Father, you are beautiful. God, I am a broken and empty vessel of no value, Father, but what you have placed in me. God, I thank you for the joy that you have given to me, Father. But I pray, God, for the evil to be destroyed in me, Father. God, I want to love people. I want to serve people. I want you to provide my joy. And God, I want you to lodge this idea deep in my soul in such a way that doesn't make me nod my head, but instead make me change how I act and live, Father. And that same prayer goes for every one of us here, God, that we would be changed. And God, give us the, the wisdom to know when and how to serve and, and even inarticulate and confused enough to say, know how to be served, Father. And how to respond there. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the grace and mercy that he personified. God, this Christmas season, would you teach us to be like him? It's in his perfect name that I pray.